All right, if you have your Bibles, you can go and turn with me to Ephesians chapter number four. You can also turn over to 1 Peter chapter four. Maybe put your thumb there or a marker if you've got it. Or if you're working electronically, just be quick with your, with your thumbs there. Uh, flying solo tonight. Uh, my family, we had planned on doing just a quick uh, couple, three-day trip up to my wife's family in Wisconsin to celebrate Christmas with them. I'm going to be with, with my mom and my sister and her family over uh, actual Christmas. And so we're going to try to squeeze a, a quick little family gathering in there. Well, a couple of my kiddos got sick and um, so I delayed our trip. And then when we got there, we thought we were out of the woods, but uh, a third one bit the dust. So that was... Uh, that was Thursday evening. The third one got sick. Friday, we were going to drive back from Wisconsin, and things were just not in a state for travel. I'll leave it at that. Uh, we felt like it would be wise to not be stuck in a minivan under the circumstances for, for nine hours. So uh, Christina and the kids decided to uh, stay there, um, hopped on a quick flight. Thankfully, I had some, some points, came back yesterday late evening. And uh, I'll be flying back tomorrow afternoon to be with my family and drive back, Lord willing, to Kansas City on Monday. So it's been it's been kind of crazy. Uh, not going to lie there, but uh, I am thankful to be here and thankful to worship with you and to share the word of God with you this this evening. Uh, I tell you what, uh, you know, as we continue to work through this covenant series, uh, the Lord has certainly challenged my heart. I pray that he's done that for you as well. As we consider once again how we are to relate to each other in the context of the local church, uh, we are now moving on. Uh, Pastor Andy took us through um, loving one another earnestly and encouraging one another. And on the heels of those topics, appropriately, we now talk about discerning, developing, and deploying our spiritual gifts. Discerning, developing, and deploying. Spiritual gifts. So I've entitled this evening's message, Making Sense of Spiritual Gifts. I'm not sure that I'm going to completely accomplish that this evening. Uh, when we bring about the topic of spiritual gifts, there's a lot that really could be discussed. I mean, we could take weeks and months to, to really peel back uh, all that Scripture has to say about spiritual gifts. So I'm going to preface this that this evening. In one message on spiritual gifts of these three topics of discerning, developing, and deploying spiritual gifts, uh, we're not necessarily going to get into a lot of content on all that there is on gifts. We're going to keep it more high level, and we're going to talk about really the heart that the Lord has for His church in giving us spiritual gifts. And we're going to talk a lot about the purpose and the goal of spiritual gifts, what they are to accomplish within the body of Christ. And so as we go through this content, if your interest is piqued or if you have maybe specific questions about spiritual gifts, we'd love to grab a, a coffee with you in the days ahead and, and talk more about it uh, with you. Uh, but that said, spiritual gifts, uh, again, are one of those topics. Uh, when you get into spe specifically the gifts of the spirit, tongues and healing, things of that nature, there's a lot of good individuals that will fall on different sides of an aisle in regards to spiritual gifts. Do 
Some of the gifts of the spirit, have they ceased, right? Some would hold a very hard stance and call themselves a a cessationist, that some of these gifts have ceased. They were for a specific time and a specific purpose, and that has that has ceased, that is gone. Others would say, hey, you know what? I'm a continuationist. I don't see anything in Scripture that says that these gifts that Paul outlines in Scripture and that the New Testament speaks to, I don't see anything that says these gifts are, are, are done or that any of, the, any of them have expired. Therefore, some would say, hey, you know what? I'm a continuationist. Regardless of, of where you may or may not stand on certain gifts of whether they still exist today or not, we know that God has a desire for us to be in tune to what he has given to us by way of a spiritual gift, to understand that gift, discernment, to work out that gift in the context of the local church to develop it and then ultimately to serve others with that gift, to deploy it for one purpose and one person and one purpose only, and that is for his glory. As we look at spiritual gifts, um, there's been a lot of content that's been written, conferences, books, all kinds of series that you could look up in regards to spiritual gifts. But I think in many ways, As we look at the broader landscape of the evangelical community and Christianity, I feel like we may be just missing some very fundamental basics of spiritual gifts. This evening, that's what I'm going to focus on. It's going to be somewhat of a Vince Lombardi uh, to his football team. This is a football type of moment, right? This is going to be some basic understanding of spiritual gifts that I hope will be helpful Incredibly practical and challenging to us in our walk with the Lord and how we relate to one another. I'm going to be mindful that in regards to spiritual gifts, human nature is alive and well. Just as we look at Paul and the challenges that he had at the church of Corinth, the letters that he wrote, there was Dissension in the church concerning spiritual gifts. Some spiritual gifts were prioritized over others and people were desiring this gift over another. And there was all kinds of conflict around spiritual gifts. And we fast forward to our day. Not much has changed, has there? Still a lot of uncertainty. Still a lot of tension. Still a lot of conflict in regards to spiritual gifts and yet very little practical implementation of understanding why God has given us the gifts. I'm going to start with the why this evening. Why? Because I believe if we understand why God gave us the gifts, I think it will help us downstream in understanding how those gifts come about in our life how we deploy those gifts in the context of the local church. And I feel like the why, God's purpose for spiritual gifts, helps us lose ourselves in the process. Our desires, our understanding, our perception on spiritual gifts, it kind of falls to the back burner as irrelevant if we can keep in mind why God has given us these spiritual gifts. And by God's grace, hopefully we as a church can arrive at a much more healthy and biblical 
place in regards to our understanding of spiritual gifts. So before we dive into some of our core teaching of Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, and we're going to finish with 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, there's going to be our core passages that we're going to look at this evening. Before I dive in uh, to that content on discerning, developing, and deploying spiritual gifts within the body of Christ, I want to give a few cautionary thoughts that I, I again, I, I trust will be helpful as we continue to work through this, this content. And hopefully by God's grace, again, we'll, we'll arrive at a unified understanding of how we should approach this idea of spiritual gifts. First cautionary thought is this, your spiritual gift isn't about you. Okay, seems fairly obvious, but uh, again, I'm gonna, these are some home runs, right? I'm just tossing up some, batting practice, and we can just hit some home runs here on these cautionary thoughts. This is context that I hope will help frame up our understanding of how we approach spiritual gifts. So the first cautionary thought is this, your spiritual gift isn't about you. It's not about your standing or your position or your rights or what you desire. Your spiritual gift isn't about you. So much of what I see coming out of uh, this topic of spiritual gifts within evangelical Christianity, a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it is somewhat what I would call me-centered. What do I mean by that? We've demoted, excuse me, this process of discerning, developing, and deploying spiritual gifts, biblical gifts, within the context of the local church. We've demoted that process to just another, if I could call it personality, type of test. You've seen them all, Myers-Briggs, Enneagrams. There's scores of others that are out there that you can sign on to the internet and you can fill out this uh, series of questions and it will produce everything that you need to know about yourself, right? Have you seen them? Maybe in the workplace, uh, your HR has one that you you take as maybe you're moving uh, into a people management role and and they want to understand maybe how you process things. And so you take these personality type tests. Um, if we're not careful, this topic of spiritual gifts, it can fall kind of right in line with that. Hey, we just need to answer three, four, five questions and uh, kind of understand some, some basic things about our background and our personality type, how we're wired. And boom, it pops out what our spiritual gift is. I think there's more to this process than that. I think it's oversimplifying the process of spiritual gifts. And not only that, I think it's unbiblical in understanding what our spiritual gifts are. We've Christianized these personality uh, tests. And we've come up with our own spiritual gift test, all kinds of other gimmicks that can be attached to this topic. So if you've taken any of these personality type tests, you'll know that certain profiles are more desirable than others, are they not? You fall into this aspect where, hey, you know what, you'll really be a good leader within our company if you fall into this color or or this category. And you'll really be able to make an impact. You'll really go somewhere, be able to climb that ladder, do something great for our company if you just have this profile. 
putting our own Christianized spin on things, we've fallen into a similar trap with spiritual gifts. Hey, you know what? If you just have this gift, you'll really be able to do something for Christ. Hey, you know what? If you can just do this thing in this way, the way we, we, we say it should be done, then, hey, you'll really be able to, you fill in the blank, right? We're not too far off from this worldly perspective of just understanding our personality, understanding how we're wired, and therefore, you know, we'll be able to do something within the context of the local church. I hope and prayer is that we can come away from this time in the word, understanding that spiritual gifts are not about me or even for me. My prayer is that we would come away holding these gifts with an open hand instead of white knuckles. Something to grasp a hold of, something to pursue and arrive at, to conquer. My prayer is that we would get a God-sized vision for what he desires for our lives and our church. That above all, we would pursue a deeper understanding of spiritual gifts with a humble heart. The humble heart and a desire for the glory of God to be maximized in and through our ministry right here at Liberty Hills Bible Church. You look around. No surprise, we're a smaller congregation. You say, Eric, you know, let's not overcomplicate this idea of spiritual gifts, right? We have a handful of families. We just need to be with each other, interact with each other and love and serve one another. And if you would come away with that type of perspective on spiritual gifts, I would give you a thumbs up and praise the Lord that that would be our takeaway. Because I think so many people in the context of the local church get so worried about understanding the specific nature of their spiritual gift that until they know without a shadow of a doubt what their gift is, they simply are comfortable and content with sitting on the sidelines doing nothing, or even worse, they may have an idea of what their spiritual gift is, and they may say, this is what it is and nothing more, and guess what? Your church doesn't have an outlet for this gift. Therefore, again, I end up doing nothing within the context of the local church. I think God wants us to move past these two extremes of understanding Spiritual gift. So your spiritual gift isn't about you. Secondly, your spiritual gift doesn't define you. With that transitional statement that I just described, what do I mean by this? If you do happen to have a gift that God seems to have brought to light in your life, it's been confirmed by others, and you are working by God's grace to deploy that gift within the body, it's important to know that your gift is not the only capacity that can or should serve within the local church. Example, I have the gift of teaching. Some of you may think otherwise, but uh, I'm up here teaching, so we're just going to roll with this illustration. I have the gift of teaching. We're in our new building, right? Fast forward uh, a few weeks from now, a few short weeks from now, we're going to be in our own building. Amen? Amen. Yeah, we're all excited about that, right? And I have the gift of teaching. The service has ended uh, we're, we're about to set up maybe for some type of meal fellowship and I finished my teaching and we're moving on to breaking down something in the auditorium, moving chairs, we'll call it. 
Time to move some chairs. And deacons are taking the lead. Other men are, are pitching in, moving some chairs. And I'm seeing some, some men kind of look at me in the corner of my eye and like, you know, kind of this assumptive look that, hey, you're going you're gonna to join in and, and help move some of these chairs, right? Uh, obviously, nothing needs to be said. You can read all of that from a look out of the corner of the eye like, hey, these chairs aren't getting any lighter. You know, some more hands would help. Maybe one of the deacons, we'll call it Riley, just speaks up and says, hey, uh, you know, Eric, you're going to help with these chairs. And I say, well, uh, excuse me, Riley, um, my gift is teaching, uh, not serving. Therefore, I am exempt from moving chairs. Extreme, maybe silly illustration, but... Have we not seen maybe some in the local church fall into a similar trap? That their gift isn't in this moment, therefore, hey, I'm just going just gonna to fade in the background. My number hasn't been called. This isn't my thing. You know, maybe it's not exactly your proverbial sports. So I'm going to wait for my thing to come up so that I can really be impactful and helpful in the church. But until then... I simply do nothing. Your spiritual gift doesn't define the total scope and impact and influence that you can have in the local church. There's plenty imperatives that Pastor Andy took us through the last three weeks around loving one another, caring for one another, bearing each other's burdens. The scores of one another in passages aren't relegated to just those that have that specific gift. For all of us as Christians to look at these imperatives and to rightly deploy them in the context of the local church and to relate with one another in a way that would glorify God and honor and obey his word. So your spiritual gift doesn't define you. Thirdly, your spiritual gift is not more important than another's. This is important to note as we have all been given a gift. We'll talk about that some more in just a few moments. My gift is not more important than your gift. And your gift is not more important than my gift. Thus, Paul's teaching on, uh, in Ephesians 4 and in 1 Corinthians. On this topic, there's a focus on the importance of valuing all gifts within the body. And understanding that as a body, every aspect is important in its own function without a given part. As significant or insignificant as it may seem, the body is not whole. As a church, we need a whole body to function as God designed. That body would be lacking without a given part. It's not able to function at full capacity. So we should remember that every one of us have been given a specific gift for a specific reason to meet a specific need within this church body. Your spiritual gift is not more important than another's. So the big idea of, of our message this evening is this. God in his wisdom 
has equipped the church with varying gifts for the purpose of building his church up through love and maximizing his glory in this world. One more time, big idea of the message, understanding spiritual gifts, making sense of spiritual gifts this evening. The big idea of this message is God in his wisdom. He has equipped the church with varying gifts for the purpose of building his church up through love and maximizing his glory in this world. So as we consider spiritual gifts in the context of our covenant and commitment to one another, we must start first with this area of discernment. So an active and Christ-like church member, covenant member, excuse me, will look to discern their spiritual gift within the church. What does that look like? What do I mean by an active and Christ-honoring covenant member will look to discern their spiritual gift within the church? There's nothing magical about this process. Again, I think we as Americans, often we focus more on the figuring out of the gift than we do about actually serving where it's available and needed within the church. If we're not careful, we can slip into this idea of, have you heard the term analysis paralysis? Spending so much time on analyzing a particular topic or issue or situation or circumstance that it literally paralyzes us cold in our feet. If we're not careful, it can slip into our understanding of how we relate to the church, how we are used within the context of the local church. Don't know what your spiritual gift is. Don't know how it's impactful in the church. Not serving with the opportunities that present themselves in the local church. And ultimately you find yourself on the bench, on the sideline. Let me be clear, that is not God's plan and desire for us as individual covenant members within Liberty Hills Bible Church. That is not his desire for us to simply sit idle while there are needs well while there are situations while there are relationships that are hurting why there are our financial and and uh economic and job related issues that god has allowed to come about in our church that he may be wanting to use you in a very specific way to meet that need So an active and Christ-honoring covenant member will look to proactively discern their spiritual gifts. You had your finger in 1 Peter chapter 4. Let's go ahead and look at that passage first. 1 Peter chapter number 4. We're going to look at verses 7 through 11. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. How? As good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything 
God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So we're going to look first at the, the motive from this passage in 1 Peter 4 in regards to spiritual gifts. What's the motive of our spiritual gift? Remember, the gift or gifts are never about whom? It's never about me. So the motive of that spiritual gift should never flow from me, from my desires, from my understanding, from my perspective, from my will. Peter says here in this passage that this is always about loving others. These gifts are always about showing hospitality toward others, serving others. So discerning what your spiritual gift is and how you should deploy it within the church will always arrive at the same destination no matter what your gift is. What is that destination? It will always be about others. Discerning your spiritual gift, desiring in a Christ-honoring way spiritual gifts, it should arrive at one destination, others. If your spiritual gift doesn't arrive at others, I would question the validity of that spiritual, using air quotes here, gift. It's not about me. It's not about propping myself up. It's not about, hey, let the the light shine on me for a little bit. Let me show you what I can do. Spiritual gifts, this motive that Peter calls out here is that it's about others. You see that in 1 Peter 4 there? What about our second passage in Ephesians chapter number 4? It's been a while since I've gone to old school with paper. It's not working good. There we go. What about Ephesians chapter number four? What was the context that he gave in his, his teaching about these varying leadership gifts that God has given to the church and this illustration that he brings up about that human anatomy there in Ephesians chapter number four? Was it potentially about others as well? Let's look at this passage, Ephesians chapter number four, verses one through seven. The context before the, the, his teaching on, on gifts is this. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager. I love that word. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Paul urges his readers here in Ephesians with these words. That they would be humble, gentle, patient, bearing with each other. How? 
in love? Ultimately, that they would be eager to maintain unity. Don't you love that phrase? Eager to maintain unity. This is the context that Paul gives to his teaching on the gifts of leadership, on this anatomy of the human body, of how we are fitly joined together and how we are, are building each other up in love. It is eager to maintain unity. Offer grace to one another as that grace has been given to us by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So discerning your spiritual gift is, is a Christ-honoring way for us to do what? To serve others. To look outward from ourselves, To get our eyes off of our desires and what we want and what we hope to gain from coming to the church. And when we come with a heart to serve and a heart of humility and we start to look, move from inward to outward and we, we ask God, we pray to God, use me for your glory. And he presents needs and we're faithful and obedient to meet those needs in a way that he's equipped us by these gifts. What happens? Others covenant members are served. They're helped. They're ministered to. They're encouraged. They're loved. They're helped as a result of us understanding rightly our role within the body of Christ. So the motive, secondly, the source. I love the nuances that are brought out in that passage in 1 Peter we consider the source, or maybe we could even describe it as the power behind the gift. First Peter 4, we see this phrase as one who serves, how? By the strength that God supplies. So when we engage with our spiritual gifts to meet needs within the context of the local church, it is not in our own strength and power that we do it. Because if we engage in our own strength and our power, guess what? It will be incomplete. It will be imperfect. But if we engage to meet needs, a spirit of humility, offering grace to others with the grace that we've been given by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we understand the source of our spiritual gifts and it's not about the gift and it's not about us, but rather our heart just simply desires to model the heart of Christ to serve others and love others and to help others. Guess what happens there? There's Holy Spirit power there. There's supernatural power that is deployed in a situation that is perfect just as God designed it. As one who serves by the power that God supplies. I wonder as you're interacting and serving, working in the context of the church, you take maybe stock and account of those engagements. Are you doing it in your own strength here recently? If I'm honest, even as a pastor and elder, it's easy for me to 
slip into just trying to do things in my own strength, to figure things out in my own way. Even collectively as a group of leaders, we can fall into that trap by just saying, hey, how do we navigate through this circumstance? We can come up with plans and outlines and details that we can deploy and we can come up with a really good plan and communicate it crisply and concisely. We can enlist fellowship behind us, but yet at the end of the day, the source of that is lacking eternal power. We want to yield our will always to what? The will of the Lord. Who modeled that? Christ. Remember as he was going to the cross? Not my will, but yours be done. Even the very act of coming as Emmanuel to take on flesh, he was obedient. Even in that obedience, though, and that humility of Christ and taking on flesh, we know that through that humility, he was ultimately glorified. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. We know that even in the process of humility, that's where God works the most, is on the foundation of humility. So the source of these spiritual gifts, it's important to recalibrate our mind, our understanding, our heart back to a place of understanding. It's not about me. It's not in my strength. It's not in my skills and abilities and a winsome personality. It's about God working in and through us to bring about his work. Have you forgotten that? Ephesians 4, we see this phrase, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. There is Grace that enables us to serve in this way. We can't do it in our own strengths. We won't do it if it's left to us in our choice. It is only God's grace working in and through us to serve, to love, and to minister as the hands and feet of Christ in this world. The motive, the source, and the purpose. This one seems quite obvious, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and make the obvious comments here in regards to the purpose of these spiritual gifts. This purpose clearly goes far beyond the, the padding of our own back or the glorification of self. And what fleeting pleasure is found in that? This is not the purpose of spiritual gifts. This is not the purpose of us engaging in the local church is for us to get a, a temporary round of applause and a thumbs up and a attaboy. That's not what we're looking for here, right? A discerning covenant member will be concerned about why God gave them this gift. The purpose, the why. It's for his glory. 
His glory alone. First Peter 4 again reminds us that in order that in everything, the serving, the humility, the loving, that in everything God may be glorified through Christ Jesus, to Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Friends, if we care about the glory of God in this world and in our life, we will be concerned about discerning spiritual gifts. This is the primary means by which God is most glorified in and through our life is by us working out our spiritual gifts for his glory. Matthew five sixteen, right? Let your light so shine before men that they may see what your good works for the purpose of what? That they may glorify your father, which is in heaven. This is why we do things, works. This is why we serve and love. This is why we deploy spiritual gifts so that God can be glorified. Look at what God has done in and through this family, in and through this individual, in and through this need that was met. Sola de gloria, right? This is what it's about. God's glory. This is the purpose of spiritual gifts. If we are concerned about the glory of God, we'll be concerned about understanding, discerning, developing and deploying our spiritual gifts. So what does it look like for us to discern our spiritual gifts? I think it starts with looking at the needs of the church trying to get very practical here now as we consider what it looks like to start maybe putting this in action, some steps that you can uh, take as, as you leave this place and consider, hey, yeah, spiritual gifts. Um, I, I'm gonna kind of soak and, and simmer in this idea for a while. What does it look for me to understand my spiritual gift? You start with just examining the church. What needs are there? What gaps are present What challenges are present in their midst? There's certainly teaching gifts or or serving gifts. There's different categories that could be talked about in regards to different lists of gifts that are present in Scripture. But more importantly than even all those details, God desires for these gifts to be used to meet real needs in the body. Don't you ask yourself that question. What needs are present in the body? What needs today, tonight, are actively present in the body? And then I want you to do this. I want you, once you start maybe thinking about one or two or three or maybe 20 different needs that you've identified in the church, I want you to pray about those needs. Not only that God would give wisdom maybe to leadership to walk through those needs or those challenges or that maybe you know of a need in a specific individual's or family's life that God would work that out and provide. Pray for those needs. But secondly, pray specifically about how God might desire to use you to meet that need or to be involved in that need in some way, shape, or form. This is a way that we can start to discern our spiritual gifts. Examine the body. What needs are present? 
pray over those things that have been identified and ask God specifically how, God, do you want me to deploy gifts for your glory in those situations? Secondly, an active and Christ-honoring covenant member will look to develop their spiritual gift within the church. This is where eagerness starts to come out. There should be an awareness about us so that when needs arise, there is literally a stampede of Holy Spirit-led covenant members to come alongside and serve and love and help with those needs that are present. It should literally be like, you know, hey, I'm, I'm trying to box Justin out because I'm going to get to this need first before Justin does back there. Justin's kind of big and strong, so I don't know if I can pull that off. But there's almost a, a competitive nature to, hey, when needs are present in the body, let's go get it. I'm thankful for this church and the testimony that God has given Liberty Hills Bible Church towards that end. Not a twisting of an arm or a pulling of a teeth to get somebody to raise a hand to step up and serve and love and help. I pray that God would expand that even more, that he would deepen that type of love and desire to develop these spiritual gifts among our church. I think this is what Paul desired for the church in Philippians 1, verse number 27. One of my favorite verses in scripture, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. This is what I envision when I think of a church that's committed to discerning, developing and deploying their spiritual gifts. A church that is standing unified, that is standing firm in one spirit with one mind that is linked arm in arm, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So developing that spiritual gift means welcoming others into that process. To talk about how you are serving now. Offer insight and feedback to receive insight and feedback on how that maybe could be adjusted. If you're frustrated with how you've been able to serve or not understanding your gifts, grab a coffee with an elder or the elders. Talk about it with leadership. This is where my heart is. This is where I believe the Holy Spirit is working in my life, but yet I just don't know how, what the next step looks like. I don't know how I fit in. Does, but I don't know if I'm a nose or an ear or a kneecap or a little toe. I, I, I just don't know. Help me understand that. Be proactive. Be intentional. Take some initiative in developing and discerning spiritual gifts. Maybe it's affirmation that you're doing exactly what needs to be done. Or maybe it's redirection toward a new or an emerging need that you weren't even aware of. But just as individual part of the human body does not work in isolation, 
of another. Neither should we go about the process of discerning, developing, and deploying our spiritual gifts alone. Does that make sense what I'm saying there? Right? The hand doesn't just go off rogue and, and be the hand. That's, that's impossible, right? It's a part of the body. This spiritual gift topic is designed by God's grace in his plan and in his way to be done how? Together as the collective body of Christ. All the parts working together properly will allow the body to build itself up in love. The Christian life, the church as a whole, it's a team sport. We play together. We do not go about it solo or by ourselves. This is a good reminder in regards to this topic of spiritual gifts. So when we think about developing a spiritual gift, we have to remember that it is also a spiritual gift. Therefore, friends, as we work to develop it, to understand it, to discern what it may or may not be. We must submit this work and process to the Lord and to desire for the Holy Spirit to open up doors of opportunity for the sake of the gospel. This is what Paul prayed for in Colossians. So looking back once again to 1 Peter 4, we see this phrase, as each has received a gift, Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Each and every one of us have been given a gift. If you've struggled with that reality, I encourage you to read that verse over and over and over again. Whether there is uncertainty, whether there is feelings of inadequacy, whether there is Again, uncertainty as what it may be or may not be. Mark it down. If you know the Lord, you have been given a gift. We all have been been given a gift and sometimes we can overcomplicate these gifts. We can also put a professional perspective on these gifts that, hey, you know what? I, I feel called to do this. Therefore, I I have to go to Bible college. I have to get a degree on the wall. I have to get additional formal training. That may be helpful and that may be a part of the process. But friends, don't let any of those things that you may or may not have had available to you up until now limit what God can do in and through you and using your gift for the glory of God. So as each has received a gift. Each and every one of us, again, have been given a gift. So it's absolutely a matter of what Peter says, stewardship. As a good steward of God's varied grace. Isn't grace an incredible gift? When we think of our spiritual gifts and using them to serve one another, Peter says, understanding, discerning, developing and deploying your spiritual gift. It's a matter of 
stewarding the grace that you have been given well. As we have been given grace, let's steward that. Let's understand the work that God has done in our life so that we can serve others with the same love that we have been given. God's varied grace has provided the church with a plethora of gifts to serve others and meet needs within the body of Christ. But guess what? He's chosen to use you and me to do that. We, by God's grace, are the vehicles by which his gifts are deployed and used within this world. What a privilege it is to be part of God's work in using his gifts that have been given to us to bring about his work and glory in this world. And he's been taking us to Romans chapter number 12. Let's read a couple of verses there that ties into spiritual gifts. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Here it is. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. This, friends, is what it looks like for us to deploy and develop our spiritual gift. It will allow us to contribute. It will allow us to move from the bench to the playing field. It will allow us by God's grace to do a work that we could never have done on our own. We're allowed by God's grace as he works to discern, develop and deploy our spiritual gifts. We're able to contribute to the work of the Lord. Friends, as we come to our our final point this evening, there has been so much time and effort that's been given on describing these categories of gifts, inventories of gifts, making much of this gift or that. But at the end of the day, it starts with the desire to love and serve others, contributing to the needs of the saints. Do you desire to contribute to the needs of this body? And friends, there may be varying responses to that based on maybe where you're at with your relationship with the Lord, where you're at with maybe some type of unconfessed sin, where you're at and how you're functioning within your family unit. Friends, by God's grace, as we confess sin and as we desire to walk by his spirit, I pray that we will have a desire to contribute, that he will begin to stir us up in that way. Have a desire to contribute to the needs that are present, not in some other body, not to be a part of what's going on across town at this or that church, but as God has providentially brought our church together and sustained our church for this time, for this place, and in this way, do you have a desire to contribute to the needs of God's church here. This is where I believe God will do much of the work as we understand more about God's desire, spiritual gifts. 
Friends, you don't have to have a 20-page research paper that justifies the gift that you believe God may have given you. You just have to simply serve others. You simply have to love others. You simply have to show hospitality. You simply have to make yourself available by way of time and resources to roll up your sleeves, to get your hands a little dirty, to provide some margin in your schedule that would allow for you to contribute. Not out of compulsion, but out of stewardship. The grace that you've been given. This brings us to our third and final point, and I will quickly be done as I summarize this. An active covenant member will look to deploy their spiritual gift within the church. Your homework is going to be to go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 and 13, where Paul talks about the challenges that were present within the church there at Corinth in regards to spiritual gifts. But at the end of the day, I want to draw our attention just briefly to Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand of chapter 12, I have no need of you, nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. On those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. Our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in this church first apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And Paul says this, and I will show you still a more excellent way. That more excellent way is chapter 13. And it's interesting that as we look at these inventory in our list of gifts, gifts are almost always attached to this topic of love. Paul says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. He goes on to say, so now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Friends, this is God's heart in spiritual gifts. It's love. It's others. It's serving as his son, Jesus Christ, modeled as he walked and lived in this world. Let's close in a word of prayer as we desire to honor the Lord and obeying.
the word that he's given us this evening. Father God, we thank you for your love towards us. We thank you for, again, this church, that through the church, you are working out gifts that you desire for us to use for your glory. And I pray even as we begin to wrap our mind and our hearts around what that might look like for us, I pray that we would not overcomplicate things and we certainly would not analyze things to the point where we simply are paralyzed and do nothing, but I pray that we would take the simplicity of the understanding of Scripture to realize that you've given all of us a gift and those gifts, all of them, no matter what they are, are to serve others and to love others as you loved them in Christ Jesus. I pray that we would do the simplicity of that work, that we would desire above all the greatest gift, which is love. Biblical love is what giving of ourselves simply to meet the needs of others. I pray that you would stir our hearts and you would cause us to be a church that outdoes one another in this work of loving and serving each other for your glory. We pray these things, amen.